podcast episode 13 we're going to review game of thrones season 8 episode 4 my name is jeremy dubbin with me as always is my partner kevin evans how are What's you up? i'm good man i'm good how are you too how are you doing today? Uh, i'm excited i'm excited i'm extra excited because tonight we have a special guest yes, uh, a returning guest actually uh <laughs> she was on she was on previously with our with our panel of game of thrones cosplay heroines yeah. this is of course our very own uh sarah at sarah canary on Instagram, famous Hello. for fa- famous for her Sansa Stark uh, cosplay, <laughs> of course. Uh, how are you, Sarah? I'm good. How are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. We haven't spoken in a while now. We're four episodes into season eight. How are you feeling? Uh, I'm a little bit worried on how they're going to end the season, but I haven't been bored, so that's mm-hmm. a bonus. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's definitely been quite that's, a ride, huh? That's the a lot of surprises. Yeah. As long as yeah. you're entertained, that's that's the important thing, right? I guess that's, I guess that's the point of TV Are shows. Are you <laughs> entertained? Are you entertained? Okay, so uh, you know what? I don't want to mess around too much. I want to get right into this because we got a lot to talk about tonight. Okay. So we're going to go through the events of Season 8, Episode 4, uh, The Last of the Starks, is the title of this episode. Um, very poignant title. Because it draws attention to the fact that we are down to just a few members of our favorite family. We've got... We've got Bran, who is the actual last surviving male heir, uh, and we've got Sansa, and we've got Arya, and of course we've got John, who is, of course we know, a cousin now, not a brother. But this is it for the Stark family. Um, I don't like it. Wasn't the uh, episode redubbed the coffee cup episode, though? Oh, I, I, <laughs> did, that, I, I, I saw that online somewhere. <laughs> That that uh-huh. fans are calling it the coffee cup episode. You know, a lot of, of fan, the... a lot of fans are, and uh, you know, on <laughs> online fandom being as you know fun uh, the way it is. Of yeah. course, this is the one flaw people have been able to find, and <laughs> and they are jumping on it. You know what? I'm not convinced that it's a flaw. I know that that the show has come out and and said it was a mistake. Yeah, I'm. I still find it hard to believe. I really do. On a apparently, on a, apparently they took uh they took the episode off um like with the cup and they took it out. So oh really? Yeah. They, apparently they already fixed it. HBO already fixed it. <laughs> That, that yeah. being said, I did watch it yesterday yeah. uh, just to rewatch it, and I did see it. Yeah, you did. Okay, yeah. I, I watched it today, and I was see, looking for the cup, but I didn't see I, it. But I saw it. In I, I didn't catch it in my viewing. I didn't yeah. actually. I didn't actually go and freeze frame and look for it. Yeah. Um, 
but uh, I didn't I didn't know about it until I saw I saw it on Facebook. And, yeah. um, <laughs> you know what? I, I I feel like a bit of a conspiracy theorist because I kind of don't believe that it was an accident. I kind of feel like somebody thought this would be okay. Somebody thought it would be like a funny story, like the potato in Star Wars. You know, like but potato in Star Wars. I've never heard of this before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a. I don't know. I don't remember which of the original trilogy it is, but there's an asteroid field scene where one of the asteroids is a potato. Really, um, I did not yeah. know this. <laughs> yeah, well, I, and that's not so bad because you know you run out of models on yeah. your asteroid field set. A potato kind of looks like an asteroid. I can see you know yeah. improvising, right? Um, yeah. But well, the, I know they but, left the the head bump in um, in the New Hope, right? Where, right, right. When the right. stormtrooper bumped his head off of the uh, stormtrooper bumps his head. That's my door. favorite. Yeah. That's my favorite scene in A New Hope. I rewatched that over <laughs> and over again. Absolutely. It's so funny. And they even added um, the little noise later on uh, in the right. special editions. Yeah. Right. So is the coffee cup the same thing? Just some mistake that yeah. got overlooked? Or it was it intentional? And was it somebody saying, well, we can just say it was a mistake that, it, that was overlooked? Yeah. I I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to harp on it, though. There's a set designer out there somewhere that was like doing it probably as a gag and they probably left it on there. And it just could have been see... the last scene that they had to shoot. They yeah. like screwed something up and they were trying to get it done fast so they could pump the episode out, but I'm not sure. Yeah, never know. Like like I'm not suggesting that there was some kind of corporate tie-in, some kind of secret advertising yeah. deal or something <laughs> like that. But I do feel like somebody involved with the production was like I'm just. I think it's funny if I leave that there, and I want to. And I, I bet nobody will notice <laughs> yeah. un- until like years later, and it'll be something. Yeah. But um, I don't know. Anyway, what do I know? Nothing. <laughs> but let's good. jump in. Yeah. Let's jump in. Uh, episode four starts with uh, the dead body of Jorah Mormont. It's a very. It's a very sad, very, very heavy scene. Um, and you know, we pull out from, from Mormont's corpse and we see the giant funeral pyre outside of Winterfell, clearly like thousands of dead bodies, if not tens of thousands. Um, and and we see Jorah and we see Theon, um, we see other characters who we, who am I missing? Who am I forgetting? Liana. Right. Liana Mormont, of course. Um, you know, a uh, very touching moment with Daenerys uh, whispering her goodbyes to Jorah. We don't know what she says. Um, very touching moment with Sansa pinning the the Stark pin onto oh onto God. Theon Greyjoy. I thought of you in that moment, Sarah. I thought I, I thought forgot maybe, about that part. Uh, I, that was a really, really, really touching moment. Um, yeah. Uh, the character arc of Theon Greyjoy. Uh, the TV show did a really good job of bringing him to a close. You know, I don't know where the book is going to go, if it's going to be anything similar, but um, uh, I'm pretty happy with Theon Greyjoy's ending. Even if I, I complained earlier that they jumped through some stuff with Yara, but I don't know. Um, th- this whole funeral this whole funeral scene, John comes out and he makes a eulogy and he basically recites the traditional Night's Watch eulogy. He refers to them as the, the shield that guards guarded the realms of men. Uh, and and the world shall never see their like again. Uh, I, I really love this scene. It was really powerful. Um, it, it gave you, a, you know, it, it gave you a sense of what had been lost in this battle with the Night King. A lot of people said that it was too easy, but clearly it wasn't easy, right? Yeah, for sure. That being uh, said, going into this episode, like I was like, or sorry, episode three with the whole battle of Winterfell, like 
I was thinking like, man, not a whole lot of people died. Like they hyped it up. Like, you know, like I was expecting right. a lot more death, but right. I guess like, I'm, I don't know. It kind of like, uh, changed my mind. Definitely. When I saw that pyre, but I was right. just expecting more main characters to die for sure. Right. But then you add Melisandre onto that pile. Yeah. Right. And it is, it is a pretty decent pile. You know why I think like, cause I felt the same way. I, I honestly, after the show, I was like, wow, almost nobody died. I was expecting half the cast to die. But yeah. I think I think maybe it's that's mostly based on the fact that Grey Worm didn't die, right? Because I, I like that seemed like to be the one that they were teasing in the in the trailers the most. Like yeah. Grey Worm is in the front. Like <laughs> Grey Worm's gonna go. Um, and he didn't. And I feel like, you know, certain things like that that seemed like obvious when we were coming, like maybe Jamie was gonna die, or maybe like Podrick seemed likely to die. Or, more yeah. characters, I guess, but um, you know the losses were heavy, and everybody who's left, well, for the most part, has a role to play in the events to come. Right? Yeah, for sure. Um, so, uh, yeah, a beautiful funeral scene. Uh, right from there, we go to a celebration feast. We're celebrating uh, the the defeat of the Night King. Um, you know, everybody's just in the Great Hall, Winterfell. It's kind of dark. You can tell it's, like, late at night, but it, it feels like a dark scene. Uh, uh, Gendry is looking for Arya. <laughs> the Hound is uh, uh, is cranky with him, but still wise. You know, the Hound has a great line here. Because uh, Gendry tries to deny that he's looking for Arya for romantic reasons. And the Hound is like, why? Why deny it? Like, what was the point of all this fighting if, if, if that's not what life is about now, right? Like, that's what life is supposed to be about. Um, it's, it's a great little, great little moment of wisdom from, from the hound there. Um, but, uh, you know, really the main point of this scene is to, is to show Daenerys kind of sitting by herself, feeling left out while everyone else in the room is with somebody they love and, and celebrating. Right. Yeah. And what about I don't know. the, uh, the dude that, um, she dubs a Lord, um, what's his name? That's right. Him? Gendry, Gendry, yeah, that that's that that's like her next move in this, in this, not in this scene. I think that's a that's a that's a that's a scene coming up, but basically the next thing that we see in this situation here. Um, and Sansa looks pissed, right? Uh, <laughs> it's it's a wonderful moment for Gendry. Uh, he is made the true uh, Baratheon and and Lord of Storms and. Um, which is a fitting, it's a fitting reward. Uh, he was definitely very important. He, he crafted everybody's, uh, dragon glass weapons, uh, for the big battle and, uh, and, uh, was, was greatly rewarded for it by Daenerys. And it's a smart move by Daenerys because he'll be loyal to her and no doubt Storm's End still has some forces that he can bring to battle with her. Right? I don't know. I don't really know why Sansa was pissed. Like, I don't really get how that affects her. This is a this is a question I think that's that's it's in the back of my mind. Like, why is Sansa reacting the way she is in a lot of ways in this episode, in previous episodes too? Like, uh, I feel like they're trying to sell us that she's protecting the North. She's like looking out for her family, but I feel like there's a lot of places here where her like her family's best interests are best served by supporting Daenerys, right? I, I don't, right? I, I, I just like I, I guess it brings it back to the fact that I guess like she doesn't trust anybody outside her family because I feel like every single person has sort of screwed her over in a way that's not related to her as far as my mind serves me. But I just yeah. I don't know. Like I feel like um, she's 
bringing it back to when she had that conversation with Daenerys, feeling like um, like Daenerys was manipulating John something because it was very easy to manipulate a dude, I guess. Yeah. Um, I just feel like she's having a hard time trusting her. I don't know. She doesn't trust that anybody is sincerely uh, yeah. in love. In love, I guess, because you know what? Look, look at her experience in throughout life yeah. with love. With love, right? She's like, repeated. Sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say maybe she, like because she spent so much time around like crappy rulers and like really conniving people. Like she's seeing those traits in Daenerys, and maybe she just knows that she's not going to be like a good ruler i don't know i i just i don't understand it see i i i feel like uh, she doesn't believe in true love because she's never known it in her life everybody who's ever been romantically connected to her has been a monster and abuser and and you know except maybe little finger maybe he was like the only (laughs) one that i could think of who was actually in love with her um i i I'm starting to see Sansa, and I'm wondering if the show is doing this or if I'm just reading this into it, but I'm starting to see Sansa's character as the student of Littlefinger only. Like, she is Littlefinger now, to me, maybe in the story. Maybe she's not a Stark to me anymore. Maybe she's playing her own game for her own personal reasons, and, you know, her Stark power is just her power that she that, that she has to wield god i hope not <laughs> like, I, 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 I don't know either i don't know i don't know i'm wondering about it though um yeah it'd be definitely we, interesting to watch but mm-hmm. sure. um we will see we will see uh so from here uh we cut to um my favorite scene uh jamie Tyrion, podrick playing uh Tyrion's game of secrets the drinking game that is a callback from season two from when Tyrion met Shay he played this drinking game with Bronn and Shay uh, uh in the scene where they were just getting to know each other for the first time uh but but here in the in the Shay role it like so shockingly surprisingly is Brienne of Tarth right <laughs> And, and she's she's wasted, and she's laughing her ass off. We've never oh, seen we've we've never seen Rhaena Tarth in this state before, right? She's yeah. su- she's super happy, you know. She's just been knighted. She's just won the battle that saved the world, and she's drinking. She's got the guy that she loves sitting at the table with her, and she's she's having a great time. Um, I love Brienne. I'm a Brienne stand. Brienne's my favorite yeah. character on the show, and. Um, that moment for me was fantastic, and these characters are fantastic. And this callback to this to this drinking game, uh, I loved. Yeah, for sure, it was a fun scene. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then we get a little brief uh, a speech from Davos. He's uh, something that I'm going to wonder as a fan probably forever. Uh, what happened to the Lord of Light? Like we just won his war, and now he just like disappears on us. <laughs> uh, and Tyrion, Tyrion just kind of shrugs. Tyrion just kind of shrugs. He's like, "Yeah, just go with it, man." Uh, <laughs> I, I felt like I felt like that was behind the scenes. Like that was like for the fans. Just like you know, don't worry about the Lord of Light anymore. Okay. <laughs> I know. Uh, Tying up that loose end. Yeah, I felt like that. That was what we were doing here. Um, and uh, then we have another quick moment with Tyrion and Bran. Another loose end I feel like they were tying up where Tyrion uh, mentions to Bran, oh, I guess you're going to be the Lord of Winterfell now that Jon's probably going to be in King's Landing forever, uh, married to Daenerys. And Bran's like, nope, uh, 
I'm not even a person anymore. I don't even live here in the present anymore. I live in the past. You know, I don't want anything. I can't be Lord of Winterfell. Uh, so I felt like that. The whole point of that was just to tell us that Bran is still weird. Like, like beating <laughs> be, beating the Night King didn't bring him back to his old normal self. Yeah, he's still he's weird. Still the Three Eyed Raven. The Three Eyed Raven isn't going to be the Lord of Winterfell, basically. Yeah. Um, and this is probably set up for later, and um, more Sansa stuff. I think I, I I'm really feeling like you know how everybody. Just okay. Let, let's get there. I'm sorry. I'm jumping ahead. <laughs> but I have I have some Sansa theories uh, to talk about. Um, but anyway, those are for later. Uh, where were we? So we had that moment with Bran and Tyrion. Uh, uh, Bran is not going to be Lord of Winterfell. He's too weird still. Um, <laughs> and then we get back to just the the party scene and just Daenerys getting jealous again. Right? Uh, it's yeah. it's Tormund. With John drinking and just telling of all John's exploits and how great John is and everybody loves John and and uh, Daenerys just sitting there alone and just getting more and more pissed, you know. And you know most most guys who've been around a little bit know that when you're at a party with your girlfriend and you're drinking with all your buddies and you're all having a great time and your girlfriend is off sitting in the corner alone just quietly getting more and more pissed that you shouldn't let that happen. You should go over there and you should like bring her into the conversation. Right. You should be like, Hey everybody, everybody like mother of dragons. What the hell? Um, (laughs) But but for some, but, but John, John starts to show that he's stupid in this episode. John Stowe still knows nothing. Uh, And and I, and I think that we're seeing a lot of that in this episode for sure. Yeah. Uh, Especially in this scene where, Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Uh, I was gonna say, did you uh, forget to mention the part where uh, uh, when they're playing that drinking game and she uh, Tyrion says, um, "Have you ever no, laid?" That's later. Oh, that's okay. later. Okay, sorry, did I jump ahead. <laughs> sorry. Okay, sorry. That's okay. That's okay. So only Varys notices Daenerys uh, getting upset and leaving by herself. Um, at this moment, I was thinking maybe they're teasing a little connection between Varys and Daenerys here. I don't know if it, I didn't. I, did you feel it was important at this moment, Sarah? Um, I, I'm not. I didn't really read too much into it. I just, I don't know. Like he was kind of a loner too, wasn't he? Yeah, I'm he wondering. About, kinda... I'm, I'm wondering about Varus's game too. Varus, we're going to talk about that later too. Because, um, <laughs> some... later going on. <laughs> I mean, Var, Varus gives away a lot of stuff here, but I, I feel like there's a lot of stuff that maybe Varus is not giving away that we don't know yet. Also, in regards to that scene, though, it like I I don't know. Maybe this is just me, but I would not be just sitting there sulking. Like I feel like if I was going to be queen, I would be talking to everybody. You know, right? Like I would really want to wait for people to come and talk to me. Especially if you like, you're trying to be queen. You're trying to like get King's right. Landing back and stuff. You you'd think that you would want a good connection with people as opposed to waiting for them to come and talk to you because. Me personally, I'd be I'd be too nervous and intimidated to just go up and talk to her. <laughs> right. There's a whole thing. There's a whole thing um, with like Daenerys and her people. Like we saw it with Masandi and Grey Worm as well. Just yeah. Not, just not feeling welcome in Westeros. Just not feeling like it's their home, and they just feel like sore thumbs that that kind of stand out. And they kind of are right. Like 
like when you when you think about like how Daenerys's like life was back in the East where she was queen, you know, she kind of did just kind of sit regally and have people just come to her and tell her how great she is, and that was kind of her life, right? And so, like that that kind of never happens in the North, you know. No matter who's in charge, it's kind of a really casual place where we're all just kind of, you know, real. We're real with each other in the north, right? And uh, and there's kind of an incongruity just with Daenerys in Westeros. I feel like this is another thing. Like when we're talking about the end game of the show, like who we want to win, I feel like they haven't set up Daenerys. I, I feel like they haven't set it up to be a, a happy ending if Daenerys wins. I don't. I don't no. think Daenerys is going to sit on the Iron Throne. I. If there is an Iron Throne, I don't think she's going to get it. And I, I think the show has not made us really want her to... I, like, I'm sure there are Daenerys fans who, you know, it's always been her quest. So they they want to see her succeed in her quest. But when you think about Westeros, and when you think about who, like, like fits there, we've never seen Targaryens ruling Westeros as an audience, right? We've only heard about it. So this idea that it's her country is kind of foreign to us as an audience. And now they're kind of making it foreign to her on the show, I feel like. So I feel like there's no indication that Daenerys is going to win. Or or even if she does win, that it will be a happy ending for Westeros. Mm -hmm. Like, like she seems like a foreign conqueror to me. Like, don't you feel like that? A little bit? Like, for sure. Like, is it her country to take even, right? Like, yeah. Like, just the fact that, like, I don't know, people just don't like, they're calling her a foreign queen. But if people really did believe that she belonged on the throne, like, she wouldn't really be a foreign queen. Right? Right, right. And And I feel like the show is kind of going out of its way now to show us she kind of is a foreign queen. She kind of is an invader rather than... This is this is more of an invasion than a homecoming. It seems like, yeah, and yeah, and, sure. and and this, of course, is more set up for well, Jon Snow is the one who should be on the throne, and um, Jon Snow, of course, getting dumber in these moments. And <laughs> I gotta tell you, I gotta tell you what this is really reminding me of. A hundred percent, Jon Snow has become to me Ned Stark in season one. <laughs> Oh, I didn't even like realize that, but I do see the similarities. Especially sure. when you think about the conversation that Tyrion and Varys have, where Varys says to Tyrion, "You know, he's he's better because because he doesn't want it. That means he's probably better for it." Yeah, and that's exactly the kind of thing they were saying about Ned Stark in season one. Like, you're the only one worthy of it because you're the only one who doesn't want it. But as Cersei told Ned Stark, if you're playing the Game of Thrones, you either win or you die. So Ned Stark was not playing to win the throne, and Ned Stark died. And now Jon Snow is not playing to win the throne. Exactly the same way Ned wasn't. And people are talking about putting him on it exactly no, the same no. way they did in season one. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, this can't, this can't end good for Jon or Danny. Uh, no. This is my, my prediction here. Um, so I stopped reviewing and I started predicting. I'm sorry. But <laughs> I like it. These setups 
these setups are are like pretty obvious to me and i i'm pretty confident i'm pretty confident that the show is very predictable now right like i feel like all of the predictions that have been wrong have been have been predictions that were kind of too creative too imaginative like based on things that we didn't actually see on the screen at some point i think that as long as you're predicting something that's simple and that's based on something that's already been hinted at on, on the show in some way you're pretty safe i think it's a pretty predictable show i but i but i'm too late to have figured that out it's because <laughs> it's almost over anyway um where was I? Um, sorry, I shouldn't be saying. Um, <laughs> I'm so bad at this. Oh my god, it's embarrassing. I, I honestly, I, I don't even remember where we were at. Okay, we well now we we're now we're at the moment that now we're at the moment that Kev was previewing. Now we're at okay. the moment where we go we go back to the game of secrets at the table, and and Tyrion with an amazing classic Tyrion dick move. Uh, slays Brienne in the game where he calls her out for being a virgin, which of course we know is true as Brienne fans and we also know you know, is a very touchy subject and um, you know, Brienne gets upset and, and she leaves in a huff and then we have, this is like, this is my favorite moment of the show uh, we have Torment try to follow Brienne to console her he thinks this is finally his moment Right. And then Jamie, like this is this has happened to, to me and so many of my friends at so many bars on so many nights in our in our 20s. <laughs> uh, you know, the guy who really loves the girl tries to go after her. The guy who's like obsessed, like totally in love with this girl tries to go after her. But then the handsome hot guy stands up and stands in his way. The guy the guy who's only looking for tonight, the, the guy who's only looking to like give the girl a thrill because he feels a little sorry for her for what just happened. Mm -hmm. and, 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 he, and he blocks the guy who is passionately head over heels will die for Brienne in love with her. Um, I thought that was just a beautiful moment because especially uh, Tyrion, when he stands up <laughs> and fills Torben's cup with his own, like pours his drink into his and just gives it, just gives him that look that says, dude, like my brother, this is the kind of thing he does. Don't even don't even worry about it. Just move on. You know, like he says all of that with his eyes, and then Podrick is sitting there with this great grin on his face, and it's a great and it's a great scene because we've all we've been wondering about about if Brienne is going to end up with any of these guys, right? Like she's had this romantic connection with Jamie for a long time. We were hoping that was going to go somewhere. Finally, is that's great. But Tormund has also been in the race for a while now, and there's a lot of Tormund fans who are rooting for him. And then Podrick has kind of secretly been in the race this whole time too, in my mind, anyway. Um, you know, Podrick with his legendary endowment and his and his ability with the ladies i kind of thought maybe that would have been brienne's happily ever after do you imagine oh my god <laughs> but 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 we get jamie lannister with the the alpha with the alpha male play uh, i honestly was i was not happy when that happened really, i'm not, not i'm not a jamie and brienne fan i've never really cared oh, for wow. that okay. i always preferred her in torment but i think i'm like I don't know, maybe an unpopular opinion. I'm just not really a huge fan of Jamie. I don't know. Uh, you know what? I, I, I think I'm kind of with you on that. I I was very torn with the rehabilitation of Jamie Lannister, especially in the books. More, more so in the books than the show, because I feel like in the books it was just like way drawn out. Like it just went on and on and on. Yeah. Um, 
and I was just like, man, I want to be watching Rob Stark, not this guy. But um, <laughs> I just what? feel like I have a problem of putting myself in people's shoes yeah. too much. And yeah. like, if I was Brienne, would you rather be with someone like you were saying, who's super head over heels, would die for you, um, and do anything for you, or would you want to be with someone who sleeps with his sister and is kind of a douchebag? Sure, mm-hmm. you're right. You're absolutely, absolutely right. <laughs> but I think I think that this is like this is why I love Brienne's character because I think she's so real because she 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 is a virgin okay she's a like almost a middle-aged woman who's never had love in her life so she has this idea she has this idealized image of what it is like her first real like true love crush was renly baratheon because he was such a noble knight and he was so like like handsome and proper and he was and he was this iconic image of what she thought the perfect man was supposed to be right and jamie lannister was kind of a mirror image to that he was he should have been all of that but he had fallen from grace and she saw the good in him she saw him as a fixer-upper project which is a mistake that a lot of people make when they're naive about love right in their in in the younger years in your earlier experiences right you you fall in love with the fixer upper who you think you can make into your ideal person that you can't really have. Right. You're right. Um, yeah. And then, and then if you, if you manage to achieve that relationship with that person, it, it inevitably goes bad. Right. And then that experiences, that experience gives you the wisdom to find a more reasonable relationship, like somebody like a Tormund or a Podrick, somebody who would really make you happy, but yeah, but wasn't that idealized image in your mind, right? I feel like that is such a perfect character arc. It's so real. Brienne is such a real person to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and this moment really, really rung, rings true for me, especially for what, what happens after, right? Because Jamie sleeps with her, yeah, and, and it's a wonderful moment for her, and it's another, it's another big reward for Brienne, and she and you know the last few episodes have been reward after reward for Brand, which I have loved as a Brand fan. Um, but then it's got to go tragic, right? Jamie is a tragic. Mm-hmm. Jamie's a tragic character. There's a lot of tragedy in this episode, and I'm going to get to the next scene with Daenerys and John where it goes more tragic. But um, but but Jamie has always been the tragic character. He's in love with his sister. It's an impossible relationship. It can't happen. It can't work. Uh, and and his sister also happens to be kind of a psycho, and and <laughs> and, he's, and he's been dragged through the psycho mud with her the the entire way. He's always been a weaker personality than her, and and he's always um you know suffered for that. And um uh, I'm I forget where I started with this rant about Jamie, but uh, anyway, uh, it, of course it goes tragically for Brienne after she achieves this idea in her mind that had been her idealized goal. Um, of course, she's going to find out that you know your dreams, you know, uh, be careful what you wish for. Basically, is what Brienne's going to is Brienne's learning. Ja- Jamie goes off. Let's get to that later. Um, <laughs> reviewing the episode in order. That's what I was supposed to be doing. Yeah. So the next the next scene I want to talk about is um, uh, John and Danny. Uh, they they finally have a moment alone, and um, Danny makes a choice that can only lead to tragedy. Uh, and 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 the stakes of this show, where where we're really going for the final, you know, ending here, is set up in this moment when Daenerys begs John. Not to tell anyone who he is, because she knows, 
everyone will say he is the real heir to the throne and not her. But more importantly than that, because she loves him and she knows that people will tear them apart when they find out about who he is and that, and that they think he should be the rightful leader and not her. Um, because Daenerys knows the game of Thrones. She's been playing it her whole life. John is still ignorant to the game of Thrones and naive to it, right? Like he's never been a political guy. He's always just been out there, you know, fighting the war. And, and we, we get in this moment, the tragic coming together of those uh, disparate realities where, uh, where where Daenerys tells John, this is your ultimatum. The only way things work is if you keep this secret. And John says, you know, I can't. Uh, the, my honor is more important to me. My family is more important to me. I owe the truth to Sansa and Arya. I have to tell them that I'm not really their brother, that I'm their cousin. You know, whatever it means for politics, you know, isn't important to me. Um, and, and here we go again with what I'm saying about Jon Snow being Ned Stark. Am I, <laughs> yeah, true. Am I, am I right about that or am I right? Yeah, true. Poor right? Ned. So, yeah. So, like, if we're not being set up for a repeat of Ned Stark via Jon Snow, like, I I, I don't know how to analyze uh, TV. I, I, I really feel like <laughs> this, is, this is where we're going. Um and this scene, you know, just tragedy. Just that we we turn Shakespearean in this episode with this with this ultimatum by Daenerys. You must keep this secret. It's the only way things will work out between us. Uh, when everybody knows, John's not going to keep that secret. And, and then the the Jamie Lannister and and Brienne and and Cersei love triangle also tragic and leading to uh, big tears for for fans, no doubt. Um, so uh, <laughs> after uh, after Daenerys and John have their scene, uh, we go to uh, Sansa and the Hound. Nah, oh, no, I'm, I'm I'm out of order. I'm out of order. But in there, before there, uh, Sansa and the Hound finally have a conversation, right? And they haven't spoken since like a long time ago, since uh, the Battle of the Blackwater, when uh, the Hound uh, cornered Sansa in her room in the Red Keep and tried to take her from King's Landing with him. Uh, and she wouldn't go because she was too afraid of him. Um, they have a great conversation uh, where, where the Hound says, you know, I heard all that stuff that happened to you. I heard you were broken in, broken in rough. None of that would have happened if you'd left King's Landing with me. And... Uh, and she said, you know, if I, if I did leave King's Landing with you, I'd still be that little bird. I wouldn't be who I am today. Um, and, mm-hmm. she t- and she tells him that she, how she killed um, uh, Ramsey Bolton with, with the hounds. And, and, <laughs> yeah. And that was, a, that was a cute little moment. I was hoping for more in this scene. I was hoping that, that this was going to be a response to the scene earlier when Danny made that power play with Jedry, you know, getting his loyalty. I thought this was going to be a response to that where Sansa was going to sign up the hound to be loyal to her. Um, but, but of course uh, I, I was silly to think that because I know that he has plans. Uh, he's got to go to King's Landing for a club game bowl. Right. So that doesn't happen, yeah. but, it, but it is, a, it is a cute little scene worthy of mentioning. Um, but we probably never see those two characters get together again. Uh, in my estimation, um, you know, everybody's heading to King's Landing now, except Sansa. Um, so 
I don't know if Sansa's going to have any interaction with any of these characters again, honestly. Um, I don't think we have enough time uh, to get back to them. So, uh, that that's- me. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me sad they're only doing six episodes. It's like, come on, stretch it out a little. Only two left. And, and my theory is it's like the two that are left are just one long story. Like, like one long movie. But, yeah. uh, you know, we'll get there. Uh, so, uh, Daenerys Benjamin, I'm not telling who he is. Uh, John, you know, can't keep the secret. And I think that's because he's Ned Stark. Um, <laughs> so, then we go to a war council scene. Um, everybody's in the room, all the important players. And they're around the map of, of Westeros. And, um, you know, Daenerys wants to go attack King's Landing right away. Um, you know, Tyrion is reminding her, you know, we, we don't want to have a lot of casualties in King's Landing. We want to protect the population as much as we can. Uh, Daenerys looks pissed about that, but of course agrees to it. Um, Sansa pipes in. She thinks we should let the troops have some time to rest before we march on winter, uh, on King's Landing. Um, Daenerys doesn't like that. That pisses her off. That, you know, she jumps to the conclusion that Sansa's trying to back out of helping her, which seemed a little rash but um they do they they do kind of seem to make Daenerys start to seem a little rash in this episode uh, it seems like they're hinting that she might be going mad queen i don't know that it's that extreme yet but um yeah. she's they certainly give her reason to in this episode um but again Sansa and Daenerys just looking pissed at each other and you're like come on guys get along but mm-hmm. um <laughs> the scene ends with the last of the Starks all meeting in the godswood so we get Bran, Sansa, Arya, and John in their family's holy place. And uh, John tells them the secret, of course. And uh, But he first makes them swear Sorry, to not I, tell anyone. I was going to interrupt for a second. Um, yeah. I think you skipped the, uh, um, the proposal. Oh, yeah, I totally did. Uh, yeah, Gendry proposes to Arya, and Arya, uh, I don't know, like, before Gendry f- finished talking, Sarah, I don't know if you said this, but I said, that's not me, out loud. Uh, no, I, I was just, like, covering my eyes and shaking my head, saying, no, Gendry. Did, did <laughs> that you, was so uncomfortable for him. <laughs> you knew she was going to say no, though, right? Yeah. Like, there was, sure. no, there was no way? No way. Like, I, I wondered if maybe they would make some deal, like he would make some speech where he's like, I know that's not you, but you don't have to do it the way everybody else does it. You know, you can do it your way as long as we're together. I don't care. Yeah. Something like that. But uh, no, nothing like that. That's fine. Uh, but Gendry just got faced uh, as we all, you know, knew he would, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, who knows if this is the last we're going to see of Gendry, but... Uh, but at least Arya lets him down sweetly. You know, she gives him a kiss and a nice speech. You know, anybody would be happy to have you. Baratheons never get the start, girl. <laughs> Ever. So far, maybe, yeah. So far. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. So, um, did I miss anything else? Um, also, the, uh, I again, I'm horrible with names. But the one where uh, Captain Phasma is uh, in her... <laughs> In her uh, suite there, and uh, homeboy comes and uh, basically right, right. seduces her. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, and then they have a scene where uh, where, where where Jamie. I don't know if we jumped ahead. Yeah, we did jump ahead. We did jump did ahead. A That's bit, later. Yeah. That's later. 
that's later. Um, everybody's leaving Fort King's Landing. Daenerys uh, is is riding on Drogon, and Rhaegal is riding along with her without a rider. He's still injured from the battle. That's that's what how Jon Snow explains that uh, he's not riding Rhaegal. Um, uh, so John's going to ride on horseback to King's Landing. So Daenerys and her people are going to get there way first. Um, sorry, where was I? Uh, Tyrion and Sansa have a scene where uh, Sansa immediately breaks her promise to John and tells Tyrion John's secret. She's trying to get Tyrion on her side. She's trying to make Tyrion turn on Daenerys and say, look, there's there's someone better. Um, and, uh, she doesn't succeed yet. Uh, Tyrion still seems to be on Daenerys' side, even though he knows Jon's secret, even though he does admit Jon probably has a better claim. He's still pushing for them to get, to get married and share power, uh, which is probably what a lot of reasonable fans wish would happen. Mm -hmm. Um, there is another scene in here. Uh, a, a weird little scene, kind of clunky, I thought. Th- this episode jams a lot of plot in, right? A lot of massive plot happens in this episode. A lot of things that just change the whole game. Um, and I feel like maybe it, the episode ends up being a little clunky as far as the way it's constructed, or way, the way scenes flow together. And, and, if, and if sometimes stuff doesn't make sense, such as Bronn somehow sneaks into Winterfell... <laughs> And finds somehow figures out where uh, Tyrion and Jamie are just drinking alone in a room in the middle of Winterfell, and corners them with his crossbow. Um, you know, you can convince me, sure. Bronn could do this. Bronn, you know, um, what was that line Bronn said uh, when it, somebody he was told that some palace couldn't be impregnated, and he said. Give me a few good men and I'll impregnate the bitch, or something like that. Yeah. Um, I, like, Braun has bragged about his ability to l- basically uh, sneak into a place or get into a place. Uh, but um, still, wow. Okay, so he just walks into Winterfell and he's holding Jamie and Tyrion at crossbow point, and he basically could have killed them. But as expected, I think, uh, definitely what I expected, uh, he gives Tyrion a chance to beat Cersei's offer first. But but Cersei's offer was pretty good. It, it wasn't a bag of gold. It was a lordship over Riverrun. And Riverrun is actually one of the more important houses in Westeros. So in order to double that, it has to be like one of the most important houses in Westeros. And Highgarden is the wealthiest house in Westeros now because um, uh, Lannisport, uh, Casterly Rock, ran out of gold. The gold mines went dry. So... Highgarden is now the wealthiest uh, realm in the or the kingdom in Westeros, and that's what they promise him uh, in exchange for their lives, in exchange for him not killing him, killing them. And uh, it is actually a pretty cool scene. Uh, they have a great conversation. They basically replay all of the events of their relationship throughout the whole series. They mention everything. Uh, Bronn punches Tyrion in the face. Uh, Tyrion says, you broke my nose. Bronn says, no, I've broken a lot of noses. I know what it sounds like. I didn't break your nose. Uh, it's a great, it's a great fun scene. Um, if it is a little bit unbelievable, uh, I, I forgive them. I don't know. <laughs> Are you a Bronn fan, Sarah? Yeah, no, I love him. Yeah. I think every time he's on the screen, like, 
I just, I don't know. I guess I'm captivated. I'm always kind of giggling. He's always hilarious, right? Yeah. I feel like uh, he and the Hound always get the best writing. Yeah. Uh, They're always the smartest and they're always the funniest. And they always uh, seem to win every fight they're in. Truth. They're great characters. I really like them. But... Anyway, um, they make this deal with with Braun. Uh, they they tell him he can have Highgarden in exchange for not killing them, and then they ask him to come and, and join them in the war against Cersei, and he says no. Uh, he says, you know, I'm, I'm going I'm going to protect myself, and I'll see when it's all over. And if you break your promise, I'll kill you. And um, you know, I, I don't know if we're going to see any more Braun uh, in this in the show at all, uh, or maybe 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 something at the end in the Denouement, but. Um, Felt like that might have been the farewell to Braun, mm-hmm. uh, especially since he said he's not going to be taking part in the war to come. I'll be really sad if that's true. <laughs> I, I keep forgetting there's only two episodes left, and I don't think I'm ready for it to be over. Yeah. Um, so from there, we go to uh, a great scene. Uh, you know what? We haven't seen much of Arya around Winterfell. We haven't had any big scene where she's celebrated as the hero who killed the Night King. You know, there was no like three cheers for Arya, hip hip hooray, anything like that. She kind of just kept a low profile. She had her scene with Gendry. She was just in the hallway, still still target practicing with her bow and arrow. And then from there, after she has her scene with Gendry, she leaves. And and we go we find her on the road where she bumps into the hound who's also leaving. And the two of them are on the road together again. It's so great to see them on the road again. Yeah. It's, it's a total callback to seasons three and four. Uh, and uh, the dialogue between Arya and the Hound is always great. Um, so basically, they're both going down to King's Landing. They both have unfinished business. And we know what that is. Arya is going to kill Cersei. The Hound is going to kill his brother, the Mountain. Um, <laughs> and um, they have a great line where the Hound says, uh, uh, if I get hurt, are you going to leave me for dead again? And Arya says, probably. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, big setup here, right? So, uh, you know, everybody's been wondering, is Arya going to go after and try to kill Cersei for real? Uh, clearly that's what's going to happen. How is it going to happen? How is it going to play out? Is she going to wear somebody's face? Is it going to be somebody important like Jamie? Does that mean Jamie would have to die first? Uh, I'd be so upset, even though I know I just said, like, I didn't really care for him. But if Jamie's going to like, I don't know. I kind of feel like he's going to like kill her. Okay, you. I think I agree with you there. Um, I, we haven't got to that scene yet. Um, oh, sorry. Really, I know we talked about it, but I'm still going to get to it again. Um, <laughs> but uh, Arya and, and the Hound basically on their way on their solo mission together. It's a team mission, but it's uh, separate from the from the big war uh, going to King's Landing. And we know Arya knows how to sneak into King's Landing through the tunnels. She did that on season one, just so that. She, Whatever plan is about to happen now could happen now. And uh, that's going to be awesome. Um, so from that scene, we go to uh, Danny leaving for Drag- Dragonstone on Drogon with Wounded Regal. I already mentioned that, but that's where it is in the, pl- in the, in the order of things. Um, then uh, Sansa tells Tyrion, John's secret. Um, Tyrion looks worried. We cut to the next scene. Next scene is John, And this scene really upset a lot of fans surprised me it really surprised me as a fan uh john's saying goodbye to some characters and this to me says that these characters are not in the show anymore 
because we don't have time. There's two episodes left. We're saying farewell now. They're not going to be back. Um, the big surprise to me was Samwell. Sam uh, and Gilly and pregnant Gilly, may I add, are, are, going home, are going home to Sam's family. And that's it. They're, they're saying goodbye. And, and, and I guess they're out of the show now. I, I, the fact that Sam's not going to have any any role to play in the final war is really shocking to me. Like, yeah. like are we not going to need any more ancient lore and prophecies or magic or like any or healing or anything from Sam? Um, uh, big disappointment for me. Um, he also says goodbye to Torment. Uh, sad that he's not going to be in the final war. I don't know why. Why wouldn't Tormund be helping the Dragon Queen uh, in her quest after, you know, the Dragon Queen just helped Tormund in his quest? Like, I I don't get that choice at all. And um, another maddening choice, but, you know, probably for the best, is Ghost. Ghost is gone. John gives him to Tormund. A lot of people are upsetting, oh, he didn't even pet him. That's because they couldn't afford to make John pet him. That's the real reason Ghost is off the show. Because for some reason, we can do anything with dragons, with CGI, but they just threw their hands up in the air and said, we can't do the wolves. They're too hard. I uh, saw a post that said, um, director David Nutter says, CGI prevented Jon Snow from giving Ghost a proper goodbye. Yes. And in quotes, he said, since the direwolves are kind of kind of CG creations, we felt it best to keep as simple as possible. And then the person who, like, retweeted it said, last episode, a dead giant picked up Lyanna Mormont. And it's just like, come on, you could have done it. Exactly. Like, I, I keep saying this about the wolves, right? Like, they, this is the one thing where they're like, oh, we just couldn't pull it off. And I'm like, you are the most expensive show ever made. You are the best-looking CGI on television ever you're like better than most movies yeah don't tell me your limitations you know get it done like these wolves are important to these characters speaking about wolves i'm super upset we didn't get a wolf pack last week no shit oh no shit sarah but you know what you know what this tells me last season when when aria met limeria and she said that's not you like that was final. Like that was, that was just Arya telling us, "Don't worry about it." Just like whatever. Like 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 the like the Lord of Light, you know. Like just don't worry about it. Just we're moving on, you know. I, I think that's what's happened with the direwolves, and uh, it's it's one point that hurts about the translation from the books to the TV show. Mm-hmm. It's probably the point that hurts me most is that. They just threw in the red towel on the dire wolves. Yeah, very disappointing, were, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I think so, disappointing is a better yeah. word. Yes, yes, for sure. Um, but anyway... So, sorry, I just... <laughs> please, um, go ahead. No, I was going to say, uh, as far as like the CGI and all that um, for the show, now, if they wanted to do a scene where um, Jon Snow pets him, they could have totally did like practical... They could have like made like a yes. like a stuffed like puppet yes or like brought in like a just real cl- dog close up on his hand um, yeah just shot it from the behind you know what I mean or whatever the case may be you know what I mean they could have you know, did something more practical yeah. if yeah. CGI was the issue yep I don't know that's just my two cents on that one I I agree 
I agree. I agree. They could have just tried harder, but I, I think they were afraid that if they did some trick where, you know, they cut to John's hand, like just petting some big fluffy white fur and then cut back to John, not touching the wolf in a full body shot. I think maybe like that was like a professional thing. Like we did, like they would be embarrassed to do that almost. Right. Mm. But it could have been, but but, but they could have pulled it off. But then that kind of like professional pickiness mm. gets completely deflated by the coffee cup. Right. right? Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, don't tell me like you have these super high standards and that's why you're not doing it. If you're going to fucking let the coffee cup slide. Right. Yeah, <laughs> that's so, the way that they let it slide. Uh, they probably just didn't catch it in post. But uh, right, right. You know I mean, but once the fans noticed it, obviously they they retracted and took it out, right? Yep. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So clearly I, that I was know. just a fuck up. But still, like, there was if if the if the wolf was really that like, you know, what I mean, if it was that big of a thing, they could have they could have did stuff around CGI. I don't know. So, yeah. like I said, that's my two cents. Uh, yeah, the wolves are supposed to be as important as the dragons. Targaryens have yeah. their dragons. Starks have their wolves. Right. They're both they're both their spirit animals, and they both have magic powers involved with those animals. And it, these are the superpowers of the characters, right? It's like it's like we we made a Superman movie, but Superman didn't have his heat vision because we couldn't do the CGI for it, and we're just fly. like we're just like <laughs> we're just like sorry sorry fans, we couldn't make it look right, so we just didn't do it. Yeah, like. That's how I feel about the direwolves yeah. in the show, and it's it's one of my few big criticisms of the of what is otherwise the best TV show ever made. Obviously, until the Mandalorian um, comes out. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Time will tell. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so um, from there, we go to a scene of. Uh, it, um, da- uh, Daenerys's uh, fleet on the ocean, and uh, they're heading for Dragonstone. And uh, we have Tyrion and Varys, and Tyrion immediately tells Varys John's secret. So we have had person after person sworn to secrecy, and then we've had person after person tell the secret right away. Um, this is uh politics in game of thrones is happening right in front of our eyes right like this is going to be the point the reason the Ma- the reason the night king is dead and the, and we're and we're back to politics being the real conflict of the show is because the point is what human beings do to each other is worse than what any other forces of nature could do to us right. uh and we're seeing that here everybody is letting everybody down and the secret that daenerys desperately needed to keep is being spread like wildfire among among all these people and further isolating her for further making her the foreigner in the group and john the in crowd guy uh leading us to tragedy coming up i believe mm-hmm. um and uh, uh okay so immediately right thereafter we have what is probably the most shocking scene to most people um which is the death of of Rhaegal. oh um, out of nowhere, the one out of nowhere. Yeah. Out of nowhere. Yeah, okay. Yes. Yes. Uh, out of nowhere, uh, Rhaegal is harpooned twice, and uh, we see that Euron and his fleet were were lying in wait for Cersei and her fleet at Dragonstone, 
and attacked it, su- surprise attacked them and immediately killed Rhaegal. Uh Daenerys uh, tries to take an, a run at Euron, uh, but then immediately realizes Euron has too many of those ballistas and Drogon is her last dragon, so she better turn around and run, and that's what she does. And yeah. so Danny and Drogon survive. Rhaegal's dead, and and it's it's clearly pointed out, obviously, because in the previous scene, John explained why he wasn't riding Rhaegal. That John would have been dead too had he been riding that dragon. So, quick mm-hmm. quick question for you: um, Can both dragons breathe fire? Yes. So when uh, when she was uh, heading towards them, I don't understand why she wouldn't make the dragon. Fire. I don't think I don't I don't think she got close enough. I think she was. Oh, is that the far. idea? Okay. <laughs> as, I, as the I, police... I was expecting the fire to come out when I was watching that scene, so that's why Me I was too. just like, "Yeah, okay." Me okay. too. I was wondering that. I was wondering that too. But my my take was it that my take from it was that she didn't get close enough because those ballistas have a great much farther range yeah, than the fire. Enough, um, and then we see just how deadly those ballistas are because they use them to destroy. Uh, half of Daenerys's fleet, like uh, like cannons, don't usually like splinter ships that powerfully. Those ballistas uh, just shredded the ships they were fired at. Very powerful, and um, uh, Drogon and, and Daenerys lucky to have survived. And you know, uh, now now here we are with Daenerys down to one dragon. And honest, honestly, I don't think she can attack with it. Right, like. Um, King's Landing is surrounded by those ballistas, and uh, we've seen that those ballistas are really deadly, and um, and that Daenerys uh, is afraid to fly fly against them. So, um, you know, uh, Daenerys is hugely reduced in power. And um, another terrible result of this scene is that Miss Sandy is taken prisoner. Oh no. Um. Uh, very dramatic, very heavy, uh, and and look what Daenerys has gone through this episode. Like so much is happening so quickly to make us wonder if Daenerys is going to go nuts and turn into a mad queen. Um, but uh, to me, it's not a mad queen thing. To me, it's just is she going to be a Targaryen? Right? Like, like they're fiery, vengeful people. Right? Like she, the the fact that she hasn't just flown to King's Landing and started burning it down at this point to me is showing that Daenerys has still got a lot of self-control happening and, and is really still sincerely wanting to be the savior of King's Landing rather than the, the destroyer of King's Landing, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, so um, after that, we're, we're down at King's Landing. Cersei tells Euron that her baby is his. Um, you know, raising the stakes for Euron. He thinks that he's got an heir about to be born. That the that the throne that his claim to the throne will be will be solid. I, basically, Euron's whole plan to marry Cersei is just to take the Iron Throne for himself. Um, but at this point, uh, he's you know Cersei's main weapon. Um, and so that this is just more of Cersei manipulating Euron to keep him loyal and to keep him and to keep him like. Uh, really eager to win the fight ahead, basically. Um, we, we learn here that Cersei has brought the people of King's Landing into the Red Keep 
to use them as human shields, basically, to keep Daenerys from attacking with her dragon because she'll burn up all the people that she's trying to uh, basically save. Or very, very smart in Cersei's part. Um, yes, and I, and, I, and I think there's something more to this. Um, uh, but we get a scene here where, where, where Daenerys does want to go and just attack, and Varys talks her out of it, basically, you know. Uh, if you go and you burn down King's Landing, you'll be like you'll be no better than anyone else. The whole speech that Varys always makes, and it works again. Um, but Danny, in the end, says, "Okay, I'll agree." But the only reason I'm going to give Cersei this ultimatum is because I know she'll she won't accept it, and then the people of King's Landing will know that it's her fault when this fire rains down from the sky on on Cersei. Um, at this point, I want her to attack, you know? Like, I... <laughs> I'm very uh, excited for that war, because I just want Cersei to get her butt handed to her. Yeah. Oh, but, but, al- but also, I want to see Daenerys unleashed, right? Like, like, yeah. like, Daenerys, her story arc over and over again has been, like, get beaten down, get beaten down, get beaten down, and then come back with a huge, fantastic moment, right? Like, I'm thinking of... You know, obviously, where when she burned down all the cows in the Kalasar uh, after she had been prisoner there, um, yeah. Uh, when they took the city of Karth, it's just her thing that that she gets beat down and beat down, and then she, you know, uh, arises triumphant. And um, it seems like we're playing out that cycle again, and it seems like we're heading there. Um, will Will this be another case where the show is setting us up with an expectation just to subvert it, though? Uh, I, I I believe so, but I guess we'll see. Um, right after this, we get another scene with Varys and Tyrion, and um, it's revealed basically in this scene that Varys has changed sides. Now he's uh, he's not loyal to Daenerys and at all anymore. He believes that John is the rightful king, and um, and that John will be the better ruler. And and basically, it's revealed in the scene that Varys is going to try to assassinate Daenerys. Like, uh, like Tyrion knows what <laughs> Tyrion knows. That's Varys's deal. Like, he's assassinated rulers before. When he thinks the wrong ruler is on the throne or headed for the throne, he takes them out. And mm-hmm. and, and Tyrion begs him not to. Tyrion has a scene where he says, "Please don't." And he, and he doesn't say what he means when he says "don't," but we know, we know Varys. We know what he does, and. Um, and uh, you know this can only lead to Varus getting Dracarys, right? Like, yeah, like this is going to be um, the big test, and and this will probably be the moment where Tyrion has to decide whose side he's on, right? When yeah. when, when Danny is burning Varus alive, <laughs> uh, is is that going to be the moment where Tyrion has his Kingslayer moment, like Jamie did, right? Well, well, my God, she's the Mad Queen now. I have to stop her. We'll see, I guess, but they're really setting it up to uh, to make us wonder what Tyrion's going to do, who, where his loyalty will lie, because clearly uh, there's three camps now instead of two. Mm-hmm. Um, so Varys' last line of this scene, each of us has a choice to make, I pray we choose wisely, uh, clearly letting Tyrion know uh, we're probably going to be at odds with each other here soon, and uh, you should probably switch sides. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then Kevin mm. are you ready? I'm ready and then <laughs> Jamie learns from Sansa and Brienne who are discussing it in the courtyard at Winterfell 
that Cersei has killed one of uh, Daenerys' dragons and that Cersei has kidnapped uh, Daenerys' best friend, basically, her number one advisor, Missandei. And basically, um, Cersei has almost the upper hand on Daenerys now. Uh, Sansa has a line where she says to him, I was really looking forward to, to witnessing the execution of your sister. Looks like I'm not going to get that chance now, and um, and and yeah, Sarah, I'm right with you. Like uh, the scene uh, where where the next scene where Jamie uh, goes to leave uh, because he's been so shaken up by this news about what Cersei did to Daenerys. Um, it seems like Brienne, when she's begging him to stay, it seems like she thinks he's going to help Cersei. Yeah. Right. She says, you can't save her. And and I've, I've seen some fans with the impression that Jamie is going to help Cersei, but I think it's really obvious that Jamie's going to stop Cersei. I, I really like, hope so. I'll be very disappointed if he gets back there and he's helping her. Oh my god, I'll be so disappointed. I don't. I don't think there's any chance in that. And Kevin, Kevin, did you get any impression about the, about that when Jamie was leaving? Did you think he was going to help his sister or stop his sister? Okay, so you gotta remember, like I don't, rem- I, I don't do, know I do. exactly yeah. who yeah. these people are. Um, still, still learning, still learning. But anyways, um, no, I don't remember thinking anything like that at all. So, I don't know. I, but again, like, I'm very convoluted when it comes to the storylines and stuff like that, right? So his, la- his last line where he's basically he's basically saying that they're still the same person, right? He, she's hateful and so am I. Mm. I, I. I don't read that as as we're still on the same side. Right. Uh, like, like you're, when, you, when you're both hateful people, it's you're like you it's you could turn on each other you could end up killing each other like and that's what i think is going to happen i think jamie's going to kill cersei uh because because he's come to fight for daenerys he's come he knows daenerys is what's best for the realm he's seen it um and I, i i do believe now that i mean unless he's thinking about his unborn child in that cersei is carrying Um, I don't see how he's doing anything but going to stop her. Yeah. Um, uh, it's a great scene, uh, Brienne and Jamie, though, when, when Jamie's leaving, she begs him to stay. It's so heartbreaking. This is Brienne's tragedy moment. This is going to be her, her, her character building wisdom inspire influencing moment so that later on she's able to be happy with a Tormund or a Podrick, Yay. right? Um, I'm so happy. Because she finally got her handsome knight, she finally got her prince, uh, and 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 he's and he's breaking her heart now. It's it's this tragic, this tragic consequence. Um, and then basically from there we arrive at the showdown at King's Landing. Right. Very familiar setup with with Daenerys, right? We've seen this. This setup before when Daenerys was conquering Essos, Daenerys outside the walls of a city with her army and her dragon at her back and her advisors with her faced off against the rulers of that city up on their walls, staring her down with their weapons trained on her. We have seen her in this situation multiple times before, and we have always seen her prevail. Mm-hmm. 
we have always seen her capture that city. Right? So, if, again, uh, this could be the show setting us up with expectations, getting ready to subvert them, or if you're going for the simplest explanation, we're watching the same the same progression play out and Cersei and Daenerys is going to win here. But, um, we get a, we get a, a, a fun little scene where, you know, uh, Tyrion walks out alone as the representative of Daenerys and Kyburn walks out alone as the representative of Cersei and, and Tyrion, you know, says, you know, uh, Cersei needs to surrender or, or she's going to die. And Kyburn says, Oh, Daenerys needs to surrender or Miss Sandy's going to die. Um, and uh, Kyber basically lets them know, we, you know, there's no chance of us negotiating with you. We know how weakened you are from from fighting the dead and from our sneak attack. Um, and 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 Tyrion gives up on talking to Kyber, and he walks right past him, and he walks up to the wall so he can yell up to Cersei where she can hear him. And all the archers have their bows trained on him, and we know how badly Cersei wants to kill Tyrion, right? And she could easily have just have had him killed in this moment. Um, so there was all this tension where is she going to do that? Um, and he reaches out to her. He, he, uh, he says, I know you're not a monster. I know you love your children and you have that unborn child and, and you and your unborn child don't have to die. We can end this. Um, and of course we all knew what was going to happen, right? Was there any doubt? Did anybody think that Tyrion was going to reach Cersei? No. <laughs> no. I didn't, I didn't um, uh, no, I think we knew. I didn't think we knew Miss Sandy was going to die. Um, yeah. I, I, I when she gave Miss Sandy uh, a last word, of course, I, I expected she was just going to tell Grey Worm that she loved him. Yeah. Uh, I, I was surprised and impressed. I really liked that. Instead, her last word was Dracaris. <laughs> uh, what was the meaning behind that? Anyways, I, I don't. Dr- Dr- Dracaris. Dracaris is the word, the command that Daenerys gives to her dragons to breathe fire. Ah, okay. Dracaris means, Daenerys, means like... it means burn them all. Right. Basically, okay. Okay. that's what she's telling Daenerys. She's yeah. telling you know, I know I'm dead. Fuck these people. Kill them. That's fucking. That's fucking gangster right there. Yeah. It's badass, right? Yeah. Um, I at this moment I expected Cersei to kill Miss Sandy herself. I expected Cersei to just push her off the wall. I thought that's, that's what they were what trying to do, yeah. right? I thought, and that was, would that would have been a the, super. Uh, this is Sparta kick. That's what I was expecting. Right. Exactly. That's exactly what I thought she was going to yeah. do. And just Miss Sandy dropping dead in front of Tyrion, like right in front of him. Right. Yeah. Would have been like. But they made a different choice, and uh, they went with the mountain uh, lopping off Miss Sandy's head, and um, they didn't really show the plot. Oh, they, that's they the a, infamous this, mountain. Okay, see, I didn't know that's that. That's the mountain. Okay. Yes, that, that's, the undead, that's the undead giant soldier who the hound is going to kill. That's the hound's brother. Right. That's the reason, that's the, reason the hound has a burnt-up face. Okay. Uh, and um, he's responsible for unspeakable evil throughout yeah. the history and even before the events previous to the to the books, um, the history, uh, the mountain is unspeakably evil and unstoppable, and, and no one's ever gotten the upper hand on him. Right. No, because I remember uh, in a previous episode we were talking about um, the hound and him like gonna like they're finally gonna fight. So that's Clegane why I was like, Bowl. yeah. <laughs> so their names. Their, na- their last name is Clegane. It's Sandor Clegane and yeah. Gregor. The, ha- the mountain is Gregor Clegane. Okay. 
And uh, so fans refer to their upcoming battle as Clegane Bowl. Right. Uh, they did fight. They did fight briefly once uh, back in season one. I think there was a tournament uh, where uh, the mountain lost his shit because he lost the joust and he was killing people. And the hound stepped in to stop him. And it was a fantastic five second sword fight mm-hmm. uh, until Robert King Robert ordered them to stop. Uh, it was an amazing scene, and Clegane Bowl, when it happens, is probably going to be the greatest one-on-one fight ever. Like True. I'm, I'm probably more excited about Clegane Bowl than anything else that I'm expecting to happen. All right. Um, <laughs> mostly, uh, partly because my favorite scene so far in the show was when Sandor, when the Hound fought Brienne one-on-one. Oh yeah, they, they had that that epic fight. Uh, over over Arya, over who was going to protect Arya. Um, that scene was like I could watch that over and over again. It makes me laugh. It makes me cry. Makes me cheer. Um, and uh, I'm expecting something that epic when uh, when the Hound fights the Mountain. Right. Uh, but anyway, uh, back to uh, the show. Uh, I guess we're, I guess we're at the end. So yeah, um, Cersei turns down uh, the offer of uh, <laughs> surrender or die, and uh, she kills Missandei. And uh, uh, that's the end. We end on on Daenerys watching her best friend be murdered by Cersei, um, and, and and now. And now we're set up for what's to come. Um, for me, this episode, it, it's hard to rate. Honestly, it's so great. It's so many huge, important things happen. So many great conversations where it was so much great callback to the entire series previous. But then also some choices that I'm really weird about, like Goodbye Sam and Goodbye Tormund and Goodbye Ghost. So um, I'm going to rate this episode a little bit lower than I think. Not as low as episode one. It's still not as bad. Episode one was the only one I didn't like of this season. But um, this is probably, out of all four, maybe my third least favorite. So I'll rate it at 8.5. Okay. (laughs) Sarah? I really enjoyed it, though. I feel like I would be Maybe a seven or seven and a half. Really? Because like I I, I liked it, but I just I don't know. Like you were saying, there was so many weird things. Like I'm upset we won't know about the Lord of Light. Um, right. I'm upset about how they said goodbye to these people. Just like it didn't feel. I don't know. It just didn't really feel right. I'm scared they're not going to be able to tie up all the loose ends, and it's just going to be kind of disappointing. But I'm really hoping. Right. That it- like i'm pissed that we won't see gilly and sam's baby like why would they do that to us i want to know if it's a girl or a boy i i feel i feel like we might get a denouement scene i feel like at the end we might get like a brief sam and gilly and they're holding their baby and like the like the like the new ending that george lucas made for return of the jedi uh when he re-released it where where he showed every planet in the galaxy celebrating the victory (laughs) yeah I feel like we might get that in Game of Thrones at the very end, oh, but I, I don't know. I, I hope so, anyway. Um, Insert Gundans. 
I'm so very disturbed by Masande's death. Like that made me like I honestly felt sick. Like that made me right, but not but, but not out of place. And I felt like it was a good Game yeah. of Thrones decision, right? Oh, like for sure. It just like it it made me a little like I don't know shudder. Upsetting. Like yeah, definitely upsetting. And um, like Daenerys' face as well when she turned around and walked away, like that made me scared of her. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. As you as you probably should be. As as yeah. that's clearly intentional. Yeah. Uh, so Kev, I feel like this probably was a harder episode for you to take in because it was so political and not not having followed the show so closely. Yeah, it was definitely. I feel it's a little more like a like a character development uh, episode. Uh, a lot of right. character development in it. So right. as far as like action goes and all that stuff, obviously it wasn't. It was lacking. Um, for me, I would probably put it at about six. Okay. So. Okay, that's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. It's a huge episode to me, but it, but but that's only because of my investment, right? Exactly. And, right. Right. So okay. Um. Uh. A theories. I, I I referenced a couple of theories that I have. So let's let's talk about them a little bit. Um. First of all, uh, Sarah. Um. I believe now after this episode, um, that Sansa is going to be. I don't know where she's going to end up politically. But she's going to be one of the few main characters to survive the whole show. I think so as well. I think she's like one, like one of the smartest characters, in my opinion. Now, I think uh, it's I think it's just as simple as she's not going to King's Landing. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> right. True. Um, and my belief is, I don't know if I've said this yet, but I my belief now is that the three main contenders for the throne are all going to die. Uh. I, I actually think that everybody at King's Landing is going to die. I, I um, another one. Whose phone is that? Sorry, it's, <laughs> it's, it's my it's my house phone. Okay, Sorry. okay, no worries. I don't answer it because no one calls me. On now, now, now I'm choking. Yeah, now I'm choking. Okay. I wasn't sure everything went to shit. <laughs> everything went to shit on this <laughs> shitty podcast. Um, yeah, stupid fucking <laughs> people calling my fucking house. But anyways, go ahead. Um. Okay. It is my belief that the real reason Cersei has everybody in King's Landing in the courtyard is because there is wildfire under the courtyard and that if Cersei starts to lose the battle, she's going to say, if I can't have King's Landing, nobody can, and she's going to blow up the whole fucking city. Oh my god. And I believe... My heart tells me the final shot of the battle for King's Landing is going to be exactly like a Star Wars final shot, like a Death Star exploding, only it's going to be the city of King's Landing, and whoever survives will be flying away on a dragon, on Drogon, and the only people who will survive the final battle will be who's ever on Drogon's back at that moment. That's just my theory. I have no, I have no evidence of that, but... Definitely, Cersei has secret wildfire, right? What like, that's yeah, definitely that's sure. definitely going to be a factor, right? Well, because that, the Mad King had them all right. through the city, so they must still be there. And the pyromancers were manufacturing it for her before the Sept of Baelor. That was the plot: was that Kyburn had the pyromancers working overtime, making more wildfire for Cersei. So yeah. ever ever since the Sept of Baelor, they have been doing the same thing. Obviously, why wouldn't they have been? Yeah, and, and 
and we just haven't talked about it yet because it's one of the big twists that we're going to be faced with at the end, right? Oh boy. Mm -hmm. I didn't even think about that. So, in my version of things, Sansa survives and maybe ends up being the highest placed ruler left in the realm and maybe ends up being queen of Westeros because everyone else is dead <laughs> because Cersei blew them all up and Arya doesn't want it. Arya is going to, I think Arya is going to survive and go West of Westeros. That my theories, I don't know, but, um, Hopefully. you know, the hound and Arya said to each other, I don't plan on coming back. Me neither. I, I think the Hound obviously is going to die, but I think Arya maybe will will get the golden ticket out out and and just go exploring Westeros like she always said she would. Yeah, I don't think Arya is going to die. It just doesn't seem likely to me. Right. I don't know. So, um, yeah. I don't know. I, and I definitely don't think Jon's going to end up on the throne because of what I'm saying about the Ned Stark thing, right? Like, yeah. I, I think I think the whole point of season one was to show us that uh, the good man, the honest man, the man who's not willing to play the political game is always going to die in this situation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that was George R. R. Martin's original intention when he wrote Ned Stark, was he was intentionally writing a rebuttal to the Lord of the Rings because he never liked the way the Lord of the Rings ended. He didn't believe that all you need is one good man to be king of everyone. And then everyone lives happily ever after. He's like, that's not the way it works in real life. Right. And Mm -hmm. Ned Stark wasn't like, he said this many times, Ned Stark was intentionally written as a rebuttal to Lord of the Rings uh, to show this guy who you think should be king would be the worst possible choice uh, for for this for this kind of situation. So, to me, if if you now are setting up Jon Snow to be exactly like Ned Stark when the end game is being set up, then if you let Jon Snow win, you're basically going against Game of Thrones. You're basically yeah. sla- slapping George Martin in the face, almost. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so. Like, I really don't think it's going to be any of them. But, I mean, one thing I think is very important, the most important twist that I think is coming, is that Daenerys is pregnant with Jon's child. Oh, my God. Right? Be, oh, I just, there, was, I there was that line in Season 7, for no reason at all, Jon and Daenerys had a conversation about whether she could have babies or not, and she said, I was told by a witch or a fortune teller or something, that I'll never have children again. And John said, well, how do you know she was telling the truth? Right? Like, yeah. why, like, why would you believe that? And then, like, right after that, we get the scene of them making love. So it was an obvious setup for Daenerys to have John's baby. Right? The real Song of Ice and Fire, uh, you know, the, the real half Targaryen, half Stark baby is not John. I mean, even though that's what John is. <laughs> The one that we really should be focused on is the one that Danny is pregnant with right now. Yeah. Um, so, um, I mean, I don't know how we get that baby out of her and how we get to the resolution of the storyline. If there has to be a time jump, or mm-hmm. if Dan- or if Daenerys has to survive in order to have the baby. But I, I, I think that 
that that's going to be the heir to the Iron Throne is going to be their baby, and and it's probably going to be raised and tutored by Tyrion, who who will be will be the baby's hand. And this is all theory, right? This is all out of my imagination, but um, those are my thoughts. I don't know. What do you guys think? I do enjoy that, but I feel like that would be too happy sunshine for Game of Thrones. <laughs> you, but but it's only happy sunshine after the fans have to watch Daenerys die and Jon uh, die. You're right, and you're probably just, gonna you're probably gonna see Cersei kill some people we love. You're probably gonna see the Mountain kill some people we love because the like that's what the Mountain does, right? Like they're not just gonna kill him easily. He might kill Arya even. Like he. Like I picture a scenario where Arya tries to kill Cersei first, and the Mountain stops her and kills her, and then that's when Clegainebowl happens, when the Hound steps in uh, to either save Arya from the Mountain or to like kill the Mountain because he just killed Arya. Imagine how huge that would be, and then in that melee, Jaime arrives and strangles Cersei to death or something like that um, because she just blew up. A million people <laughs> outside. Oh boy. Like, oh boy. Like the craziness of this finale. You know what? Maybe I don't believe the Daenerys is pregnant theory now because all of this is setting up to happen like next episode. So there would have to be a time jump or Daenerys would have to survive the battle. Well, maybe Daenerys waits until her army is like full and ready to go again, which may take a couple months. But it doesn't seem that way, right? Like at the end of the episode, like you said. I guess we shall see. I guess we shall see. A little bit nervous. Um, But so far, how are you feeling about this season? Is it as good as you expected? Is it... I think um, it's... Honestly, I do think it's one of the weaker seasons, in my opinion. I just like... I feel like the other seasons, like I've just been, I don't know, more shocked. Like really? I, I think you can, I think you can kind of tell where it starts to like where the books stop, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like it's very, it's been very like season four. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I feel like it's um, been very like turned like very Hollywood in a way. I don't yeah. know. It's and just it's like still turning you off. Yeah, I, I, I feel that too. I feel that too. I just, um, I don't know. I also feel like for TV writing. It is it is still on a level higher than ninety nine percent of TV writing, even though it's not yeah, going to be George. Sure. Like George Martin is a really great writer. Like it's, it's not hyperbole to call him probably the greatest fantasy science fiction writer of the last two decades. Uh, he's really great. Um, it's it's no bullshit. So the fact that they're even approximating greatness. You know, they they can't we can't expect them to be George R. R. Martin is my point. But the fact that we're still getting something good for me um, is still really satisfying. And sure. and sure. they they rely on this calling back moments, right? Like a couple of conversations in this episode were just recounting stuff that we did before. And to me, that's great. Like that's what people would do. Like look at all we've been through. Let's like talk about it once in a while. Um, I feel like it's been great writing me personally, but uh, I'm, I'm pretty I'm pretty happy with it still. Uh, but the next two episodes are make or break time, right? Like what happens going forward uh, will be what people judge this entire series on. So fingers crossed. I guess they have to be uh, super shocking for people to really appreciate them. I guess. Eh? 
Yeah, for like, sure. I feel like there's a lot of, like I've said it a million times, I feel like, but a lot of loose ends that they need to, uh, to yeah. tie. Okay, throw in like a couple twists here and there. Stuff mm-hmm. just to keep the fans, I guess, on their toes as well, right? Yeah, for sure. Okay, so so we're going to wrap up soon, but quickly, I'm looking at our Deadpool here that we did. Um, <laughs> and uh, only a few of our characters are dead so far. We, we really have a long lot to go before we are able to tally our scores on this. So um, just so everybody knows, after the series ends... I'm going to try. I hope I can get everybody back together and get, get everybody back from our cosplay panel with you, Sarah, so yeah, that we, so, so that we can, so that we can talk to everybody about their feelings about the whole season. And so that we can go over our Deadpool results, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now, let's see where we're at. Who's on our list. Uh, Sansa's on our list. She's alive. Arya's on our list. Bronze on our brand. Uh, John, Daenerys, Cersei, Jamie. Everyone's alive so far. Tyrion, uh, our first dead character is Jorah Mormont. So the simplest way I think to do this is if we guess right, we get a point. If we guess wrong, we subtract a point. Make sense? Yeah, fair enough. Okay. So for Jorah Mormont, Sarah thought he was going to live. Oh, no. So so I guess that puts your score at minus one right now, Sarah. <laughs> um, I also thought he was going to live, so I'm tied. Um, Kevin said he was going to die. Kevin. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. on our on our first death, <laughs> Kevin is winning the Deadpool. Oh yeah. <laughs> score is one minus one minus one. Okay. So uh, next on our list is Gendry still alive. Davos still alive. Brienne still alive. Podrick still alive. Grey Worm shockingly still alive. And Miss Sandy. Sarah gets a point for predicting Miss Sandy was going to die. Yay! Kev. Well, back in zero. <laughs> Kev gets another point what? for predicting what? that Miss Sandy was going to die. <laughs> Kevin, Kevin is now 2 nothing, oh minus 1. Um, Jer also predicted that Miss Sandy was going to die. Um, so I'm at zero as well. Uh, so it's two zero zero. Uh, next character is Sam alive. Gilly alive. Gilly's baby alive. The hound (laughs) alive. The mountain alive. Uh, our next and last dead character in our Deadpool is Theon Greyjoy. Um, and I'm sorry, Sarah, but you lost another point. Oh he my god, I suck. Five this the season. Uh and Kevin gets another point. What? Oh my god. Blah, blah, Kevin's blah, gonna blah. win it. Three for three, Kevin. <laughs> Damn. True fan right here. Um I also get I also guessed he was dead. So um so now god it's damn it. it's three to one to minus one. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. God damn it. Okay, so that's our score right now, but that's an that's a that's a very preliminary score. There are so many characters left, Sarah. You could totally come back. It's so this so much true. time left. So this much time true. left. Yeah. But as predict, I knew it. I knew Kev. I knew as soon as I said you should be in this Deadpool with us that you were going to win it. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, love it. <laughs> it's yeah, almost so. not funny. It's almost not funny, but it's pretty funny. <laughs> it's pretty. 
Love it. But anyway, um, I, I guess that's I guess that's I guess that's all for our episode. Does anybody else have anything else they want to talk about? <laughs> very good, very good. Oh, that is how <laughs> that's how boom done. That's Don't be afraid of boom done, Sarah. That, that that's just how we let you know that we have completed business here today. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but is there anything else, Sarah? Do you have any other hopes for the next two episodes? Any fears that you want to get out right now? Or not really? I just I really hope to God that they just tie it up. Like, I mean, I guess there was one fan theory that I was super into. Maybe I'm a little bit biased, but. What's that? Said, um, it was going to end as uh, Sansa as the queen. Right. Um, Brienne as the head of the Queen's Guard. Yeah. And then Bran, or they said Arya was going to be the hand, but I don't think that's going to happen. And no. then Bran was their master of whisperers, which I was super into that theory, but I don't think it's going to happen. But you know what? <laughs> I, I think something very close to that may happen. I think, like I said, I think Sansa will survive. And it, it, she'll either be um, Lord uh, Lady of Winterfell or queen. If there is, if there still is a, 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 a queen, king or queen, right? If there still is a, an Iron Throne um, and not some new system, but um, uh, and I do think Bran will survive, and I do think she will be Sansa's protector. So I think that your fan theory has a lot of uh, chance of, of becoming true, especially because it seems like Benioff and Weiss really want to push um, the female power uh, angle here, right? They really want, they really want to break the mold of uh, traditional female roles and, and power structures. So um, I think that's very likely. <coughs> anyway, so. anyway, here's, here's hoping, here's hoping we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I don't know. What do you think, Janet? Well, uh, let's ask her. That's the end? <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, I guess we'll wrap up for now. I guess we'll wrap up for now. <laughs> uh, Sarah, what do you have coming up? Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, what What is coming up? Anime North, right? Anime North. I'm super excited. I was actually... Um, also, I was a bar reached out to me asking me to come and be a guest at their party that they're throwing, their cosplay party. Oh, uh, which cool. I'm excited about. That's happening this Saturday at the Power Up Bar in Toronto. Oh, Power Up Bar in Toronto, that's Saturday. A, that's the video uh, game place, right? It is, yeah. yeah, yeah. So are, are you going to be in costume? Yes, I'm going as Black Cat. And then nice. actually in the same day, I'm doing um, a sick kids walk in Toronto called Megan's Walk. Oh, um, cool. that we're doing like a meet and greet with all the kids at Sick Kids, which I'm really, really excited about. I've never done that before. So as Black Hat as well? Uh no, as Captain Marvel, actually. Wow. Really Fantastic, Sarah. Yeah. Awesome stuff going on. Very cool. Uh, and, and for Anime North, you're working on a new cosplay, right? I am working on Wonder Woman, which oh. is it's it's really stressing me out because I'm nowhere near being done, but hopefully I can pump it out in time. <laughs> Uh, well, I'm looking forward to seeing that your co- your costumes are always so authentic and awesome. So I'm assuming uh, the the uh, cartoon version ends since it's Anime North, right? No, and like a lot oh. of people actually go in anime costumes for Anime North. Oh, okay, so you're gonna go with what the uh, the movie version? Yeah, okay. yeah, the Gaucho version. I'm yeah, obsessed. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right, cool. Cool. Well, I can't wait to see that. And uh, for anybody who's interested in checking out Sarah's cosplay, uh, you can find her on Instagram. She's at Sari Canary. Uh, how's that spelled? S-A-R-Y? S-A-R-E-Y C-A-N-A-R-Y 
<laughs> great, great. Uh, anything else uh, you'd like to plug while while we're here? Or no, I, I think Instagram uh, is the place. Instagram is okay. the place. <laughs> what about you, Kev? What about you, Kev? You got any plugs? Um, no, just check out uh, our uh, our page on Facebook at uh, uh, well, right. you know, two hundred for this podcast to the number two and the number four, uh, like old school nineties rappers, as we like to say. That's right. Um, and also, what was the other one? Twitter, which I don't know because you handle that one. Twitter is twitter.com forward slash tooled for this pod. Uh, again, spelled with a two and a four, the way 90s rappers would spell it because that's what Kevin and I happen to be. There you go. <laughs> and uh, I, I thought we were on Instagram. For some reason, I thought uh, I opened the page, but I guess I was wrong because I looked it up today. <laughs> so um, uh, I think gonna... I think we might we might have an Instagram account with nothing in it somewhere, but I'm, I'm not sure. I, I haven't post anything yeah here, so. we're gonna have to uh we'll get, get there that, you know yeah. we got a lot of irons in the fire we're working on a lot of things you know we got, we're busy guys yeah no absolutely <laughs> right so it's all good but uh yeah no it was good uh thanks sarah for uh yeah for sarah thanks again, again so much thank you for having me These it's are always so fun, fun. Got my brain juice is flowing thinking about the episodes and things that i missed so it's a lot mm. of fun we really appreciate you spending your time here with yeah, us thank no, you absolutely it's great all right signing off jeremy all right that's right. Good night, Janet. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Thank you for listening. That can't be the end. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Wanted to get that Vader in there. Thank you for listening to Too Old for This Podcast, episode 13. Uh, thanks to our guest, Sari Canary. And thanks to my partner, Kevin Evans. Word up. As always, on Nerd and Up Nerd. We'll see you for episode five. Till then. <laughs>